Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. is up everybody it's your boy dweez nuts alongside this way bobby lamarco here with the candlestick kids podcast tck pod for y'all we're here back uh, this week our second week bobby in this series we're doing afc coaching changes this week we're going to hit a couple of divisions today we're going to hit a couple of divisions um, it'll be live on Wednesday, probably drop on the podcast on Thursday, or maybe, I don't, you know what? I think, no. I don't know. <laughs> Just fucking subscribe everywhere. And then you don't, there we you don't go. need to tell you on YouTube. You can hit that little bell underneath, uh, underneath our faces. And we don't need to tell you because you'll get a notification every time a new episode comes up. Hey, I think it's episode 367 today. I think. I don't know if you got that right. We'll see. I, you know, my goal is to never get it right. Just to fuck uh, with Scott. Uh, even better. Uh, below my name and below Bobby's name, you will see our Twitter handles. That's where you can reach out to us, connect with us. If you want to talk to Lucas, he's at Lucas underscore Kaser two on Twitter. Um, Sky is at TCK underscore pod on Twitter and fantasy football underscore TCK pod on Instagram if you'd rather, but uh, that's that's all the intros. How's your day going? Are you ready for a big AFC coaching changes? I mean, a lot more guys in the AFC now. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. I am ready. Actually, just today, like all the the, the tags and all that stuff going on, got the blood flowing. I got really excited. Ooh. But Yeah, what was which one was your favorite so far, you think, of the I non-tags or tag players? Everybody watching knows who my favorite one was. Right. Allen Robinson yeah. getting tagged to the Bears. You know, that news came out actually really late after a lot of guys were seeing this guy's tag, this guy's not, and nothing about my boy A-Rob. And I was starting to get a little nervous because there's no yeah. way he was going to sign a contract. Um, but, uh, yeah, they tagged him. He will be back. He plans on playing under the tag, at least as far as I know. So uh, one more year, a very expensive one, but one more year with um, our just our best offensive player. How about you? You got what? Well, you got one of these tags or no tags that you really liked best? I think your hat yes. might say what you're about to tell us. Yeah, I, I gotta say it's Kenny G. I mean, a lot of people know I love Kenny Galladay, but him being freed from that Jared Goff and whatever that <laughs> Anthony Lynn disaster. I mean, I don't want to say it's gonna be a disaster, but I'm not looking forward to it. And I just love the fact that he's gonna be able to go somewhere now and pick his spot 
take, take his money. Maybe the Giants. I'm a Giants fan. That'd be sweet. But overall, I love seeing like great players get the opportunity to go a place where they can flourish instead of being dragged down by a team for like 10 years. So I'll ask you then, um, historically speaking, last year was a little bit of an outlier, but historically speaking, big name receivers that go to a new team struggle that first year. You know, we talked about it all week last week, passing games and receivers in new, new offenses tend to take a little longer to come around. Um, Diggs last year disproved that. Hopkins disproved Mm -hmm. that a little bit last year. Obviously a lot depends on where Kenny G goes, but do you think his skill set is a, 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 First year in a new system, he can thrive. I mean, it, it, how hard is it to run straight down the field and catch a deep ball? <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Uh, you know what I'm thinking in my head? It's I've thought a lot about this over the. I'm going to have to look into this more too because we saw you know the Odell situation where he was a disaster year one yeah. for the Browns, and you know this last year made you really think. You know, is it a situational thing if he goes to an established coach with an established quarterback? Does that help his transition process? Does he get acclimated quicker, similar to Stefan Diggs and with DeAndre Hopkins? So that could be a factor in all this, but we have to take a look. I got to take a deeper dive. I'm tired of wondering. Like I keep bringing up Odell, Hopkins, yeah. and Diggs, yeah. and there's just got to be more research done on this. And I think even like your Allen Robinson, his first year in Chicago, he was good, but then it was his second year where he really kind of jumped off. So that could be another person to think about, but I think – it's going to be based on ADP where he's going, but a lot of those guys don't outkick their ADP. Like Hopkins was good, but he was drafted pretty much where he finished. It was Stefan Diggs that was a complete outlier. He was just awesome. So I think that's another factor in all this. Yeah, last season, um, get with Lucas if you can, Kaser. Last season, going into the offseason, he did a ton of that research, and we broke it down on a couple of mm-hmm. different shows last offseason, preparing for the DeAndre Hopkins thing. I, the only thing I really remember is that Brandon Marshall was the standout right. guy that moved teams and succeeded. Most everybody else struggled, but uh, I think he's got the research, man. Don't do it again. Don't reinvent the wheel. Just talk to a boy out there in Iowa. He'll get you hooked up. There you go. All right. Look, if, if you guys want to know more, obviously a lot more happened. A lot of guys got signed or uh, franchise tagged. Some people were told, hey, we're not going to tag you. You're free to go. Obviously, you've probably already heard about Dak Prescott and his insane contract that he got. Sky Glasgow, our, our TCK man, he's going to pop on here for a live session after ours, and he's going to break down all of these moves that happened or didn't happen in the NFL today. Um, I think it's going to drop on the podcast probably sometime tomorrow as well. But tune right back in here, anywhere you're watching this right now, and um, he'll kind of help get a lay of the land of where we are moving into free agency, uh, which starts, what, next week, I think, right? The 14th, isn't that right? Yeah, next week. So fucking, so fucking excited. God. I love it. You, I love you're it. not wrong, dude. The, those little notifications popping up. I on know. The it just feels good when something happens. And we're going to have this yeah. stretch of time and then another big, a big void of nothingness waiting for the draft. But uh, I know. We'll enjoy it while we're here. Before we get to free agency, though, we've got we've got to do this um, coaching changes in the AFC. We've got to finish off our coaching changes. Look at what schemes are coming to teams and how it might affect fantasy players, um, the guys that you might have on your dynasty rosters. Maybe it might affect your draft or don't draft list. 
uh, for your redraft leagues, maybe affect some of the trade offers you're throwing out there. Big trade time. I don't know about your leagues right now, but my fucking leagues are going trade crazy right now. So uh, all good information for us to follow. We're going to start it off here in the AFC North. Okay, we don't have a ton of changes in the AFC North, but the first two teams we're going to talk about, the Bengals and the Browns here, these are two teams with second-year head coaches, with second-year – or Zach Taylor's a third-year, right? Third-year, um, yeah. Second- or third-year head coaches, offensive coordinators, still new systems. Even Taylor, who's a, a third-year coach now, he's got a second-year quarterback here. So, so we're really looking at guys trying to succeed in a second year of a system – um, whether that's Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan in Cincinnati or Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt in Cleveland. So what are you hoping to see or expecting to see out of either of these two teams going into year two or three um, with the guys in systems? Well, the Bengals, first off, like I, I want to Joe, you want to make sure Burrow is healthy and obviously come off the injury, but they need to address that offensive line. It's been a disaster. And I think that's been the biggest hiccup for Joe Mixon owners over the last couple of seasons is that they they basically have no offensive line. And Jonah Williams, who was their first round pick a couple of years ago, has been injured most of the time he's been in the NFL. And the problem was two years ago, they replaced him with Cordy Glenn and then they let him go. And then they didn't replace anybody else. And it was just disaster all over again. So they do have some moving parts at, on the offensive line that need to be addressed in the draft this year, you would hope that AJ green is out the door. John Ross is out the door. And how is that going to affect guys like T Higgins and Tyler Boyd? Um, even like guys like CJ Uzama last year did show flashes because this was such a pass heavy offense under Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow, even with Joe Mixon in the backfield. So I do believe that I love look at second years, even with players and systems. So there is an opportunity like we've seen over the last couple of years, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes in their second seasons, won MVPs. And that's how much of a leap guys can make in their second season. So Joe Burrow, I'm looking at the offensive line. moves. I want to see them at least address two positions on that line, get that beefed up, get Jonah Williams back healthy. And then I can start really looking at these players and saying, you know, I could buy them at their ADPs. But the problem is when you have a disastrous offensive line, the offense can just keeps to continue to sputter. But uh, that's pretty much how I feel about the Bengals. Um, I don't know if you want to just jump in. Any thoughts on that before I jump into the Browns? Yeah, you know, when you when you start looking at the players on this team, uh, obviously T. Higgins started to kind of click a little bit with Burrow last year. So, you know, watch that ADP. There is some, some potential there. But you, you said it, man. I mean, like nothing works if your offensive line doesn't work. I mean, Dak Prescott works without an offensive line. That's why he got his $66 million signing bonus. But nothing else works in the NFL mm -hmm. without an offensive line. So that's got to get together. Let me ask you this question, okay? So people have been holding on and trying desperately to claw onto reasons to maintain Joe Mixon hope. Like, mm -hmm. do you are you a Joe Mixon believer in general? Um, and let's say his ADP is – middle of the second round again this year um is that somebody that you know all thing everything else stays the same or do you feel good about that adp i do um i do think last year i wasn't high on joe mixon as a first back into the first round pick and i just for the exact reason i said i was like this offensive line is terrible they did not address it at all in the offseason and i was just like joe mixon's not going to be able to do much behind this offensive line but with Joe Burrow heading into his second season, I think Joe Mixon's definitely a buy. But I'm going to monitor that offensive line. I want to see them invest in that heavy. Um, I know there's an offensive tackle there in the shot for the first-round pick, but 
I think that's got to be addressed as well. So I think overall it's going to rely on the offensive line. But I do think Zach Taylor has something to offer as an offensive line. I think Joe Burrow is going to be like – I think Justin Herbert's the new hotness. I know Sky's going to kill me for saying he's not the guy. But I think Joe Burrow is still like the, the great the, – the best rookie quarterback from last year if I was going to bet on anybody long term. So I think I'm buying this offense. Yeah, and you know – Taylor and Callahan certainly showed last year that they have confidence in the kid and, and they have mm-hmm. confidence in him going out and trying to win games by just chucking it all over the place. I mean, yeah. it, it, his very first start burrows. I don't remember exactly the numbers, but uh, the offense went a little crazy. Um, all right, let's look at uh, the other Ohio team mistake by the lake, the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt come back again. We saw big things on this offense last year. Uh, we've got we, we've got a lot of big names sticking around on the offense. What, is it going to be a repeat? Is it, are they going to take a step forward in this year? Is Baker Mayfield really the man? I mean, he's seeing aliens out out in this, in this, the night sky. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, you know, you know me with this stuff. Second year in a system, I I like to buy, and that is a big time position where you can see guys take the next step now baker as a fantasy asset i don't believe i think his his ceiling probably next year is going to be like a kirk cousins in the sense that he'll be a consistent low-end qb1 maybe a couple but he'll be he's not going to win you a fantasy league but he'll be pretty consistent i think right now baker is kind of a mid-range qb2 like he was this year i think he could take that next step into low qb1 at the end of the year which is going to help elevate the guys around him. Guys like Jarvis Landry can take another step in the second year of the system. Odell Beckham's a wild card because I think we all believe in the talent. We've seen the talent. We know the talent. But it just seems like over year over year, he gets drafted in the third, fourth round, and then he gets hurt, and he's a bust. So I think, for me, this offense, too, started humming when he left. But, listen, you can add Odell to a good offense, and I think it's going to help. I don't think it's going to hurt. Plus the tight ends, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. I think there's plenty of weapons, so I'm buying Baker. And, of course, Nick Chubb is a stud. Um, I think that for me, what happened with Cream Hunt, by the way? I thought he was a free agent. Is he not? They re-signed him last year. They they gave him an extension last year. Gotcha. All right. So then that's kind of a mosh posh. But I think Nick Chubb, to me, I think a lot of people might not think of him as high because of that Cream Hunt. But when – Chubb was on the field. He's the guy. He's the workhorse. He's the stud. In close games, they're going to Chubb. So I think that he's going to be a great value at the one-two turn next year probably because people are going to still fade him because of Kareem Hunt. Yeah, my big concern here, at least from a coaching standpoint, is um, – and, and people were really let down by it. It's that tight end position, right? Like for prior to last year, people were all on Njoku for a couple years in a row. He gets hurt. He doesn't get, he, he, he just can't get out, stay on the field. Um, but people had a high expectations. Austin Hooper comes in and, you know, people, Austin Hooper is going to be the man and his, his ADP goes flying up through the roof. But what we saw from the coaching staff is they are very willing to cycle these guys through all three of them, right? Harrison Bryant got plenty of love at the end of the year as well. So um, if we're looking at from a coaching standpoint, yeah, the offense has, a lot of potential, a lot of a big game potential, especially if they don't fix that defense. Um, they're just going to have to score. But I think the one thing that you should really be concerned about and um, really back off of is that tight end, just because they're happy using them all, right? And and right. Yeah. it's not it. You can't. It's one of these things again where if you pick one of them on your team, you have to guess which week to play them, and you're going to guess wrong more often than not. But uh, not yeah, nice offense to be want to uh, get a piece of here, second year in the system, so. Um, I, I like a lot of the pieces. I, I like a Donovan Peoples Jones there um, as as a potential guy who started a little bit later on. He's taken a while to learn the system, 
Um, didn't play a, a lot in Michigan, so um, it was always going to take him a little while to learn the system. But he's a dynasty sleeper. I think people should be going after. Um, yeah, Higgins on, is gone too. On that offense, sure, yep. So, so some pieces. All right, let's move on then. Let's go to the Baltimore Ravens. This is a team that there's not a lot of uh, change, right? Uh, Harbaugh's been the coach there for a while. Now, Greg Roman, offensive coordinator, came in, I, I think it was 2018. Um, so he's been there for a few years in a row now. I, I put out a quick live, uh, a little live quick hitter the other day because some of these stats kind of blew my mind, right? Like I'm, I'm n- nearly a 40-year-old man. And That's only, the stat that blew my mind. I was like, you don't look a day over 30. So I don't know I what mean, you're talking about. <laughs> the hair, man. If I got up close, you'd see all the liver spots popping up. It's fine. Um, but in my entire lifetime, this is the only guy that has had a 3,000-yard team rushing season. And he's done it two years in a row now um, for this team. The only two years, it's only been two years. So he came in in 2019. He's doing it, done it two years in a row for the Ravens. And it's not all just Lamar Jackson, right? There were three guys with 125 carries or more last year. Lamar was one of them. Um, three guys with five plus yards per carry. Three guys with at least six rushing touchdowns. Like this is the rushing offense you want to be a part of. Greg Roman is a historically great run game offensive coordinator. And I don't care how bad Lamar Jackson is at throwing the ball. I don't care that every defense in the league is coming prepared to stop the run, both from Lamar and this year, probably from Dobbins as well. He showed his ass a little bit at the end of the season. Greg Roman knows how to make it work anyway. And I expect big things from Dobbins. I expect big things from Gus Edwards and rushing work from Lamar again. And it all comes down to the coach the scheme and the system um, for Greg Roman here for me. So I'm a buy at, at any price on those guys. Yeah. My, my only problem with the Greg Roman is that his, his run game concepts have always been good, even with the 49ers and the bills, but then his passing game plateaus teams start, you know, yeah. scheming against that run game and then he loses his job. And then like it happened multiple times. I mean, he yeah. lost his job to Anthony Lynn and then in San Francisco, they dropped him too, because he just doesn't develop passing games enough. Colin, Colin Kaepernick came out the gates hot. He looked awesome. But as soon as teams started realizing what they were doing, they didn't adjust at all. They make no adjustments in the pass game. So I think that's what a lot of people are worried about. And we're starting to hear more about his the route concepts and how they're not developing enough. They're not getting people open. You're not scheming people's open. You have talent like Marquis, uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown and Mar- Mark Andrews. But you're right. You're buying. The, who cares about the pass game? We know this, yeah. all right? So stick to the run game, and you're good. Lamar Jackson, as long as his ADP is not third round like it was last year, I think every, you can buy him at some point. But Dobbins, to me, I think the only thing that worries me about Dobbins is that the Gus Edwards thing, them two is a one-two punch. Edwards is very involved, and they're not really involved in the pass game. So that worries me because he could be completely taken out of games. He can have 10 carries for 50 yards, and that's it. And then – PPR, you're that's nothing, you know. So that's that does worry me a little bit. But Mark Ingram being out is good news. It is at least narrows it down to two, right? So I think that's a that's a positive step. But overall, I am worried that Greg Rome. I hope they can do something in the past game this year. Yeah, uh, you can hope all fucking day. That's yes, not going to happen. But, you know what? It would be nice. It would be nice if they would consider doing what a lot of these teams are doing, and instead of just bringing in an OC, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this in a little bit, but maybe yeah. bring in a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator and let them run the offense together. That might work because Greg Roman has shown over a long NFL career that he does one thing really well, but that's fucking it. 
Well, the tech, the Texans head coach was their pass game coordinator or whatever. Yeah. That didn't – and what did that do? <laughs> you got a head coaching job, but he's like, that's good. <laughs> you look, that's all That's all. <laughs> All right, let's let's move off of the Ravens because there's not a lot of real change there. Um, we know where the value is going to be on that team. A little bit less so uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Okay, so uh, we've got a new offensive coordinator, Mike Tomlin, still obviously uh, the head coach. Defense isn't changing either. Keith Butler is going to keep that job, but uh, Matt Canada, Canada, Canada. Canada, right? Canada. I think it's Canada, right? It's spelled uh, like Canada. Canada. <laughs> um, he's coming in here to replace Fitchner, who who lost his job last year. He did a little bit of work there at the end of the season as sort of like a, a sort of interim OC on that team. Um, look, this guy has not had a lot of coordinating experience in the NFL, not a lot of experience in the NFL at all. In fact, last year he was the quarterback's coach did a little bit of little bit of quote unquote interim coordinating at the end of the season. But he's been uh, coordinating offenses in college for quite some time. Now, obviously, when a coach moves from college to the NFL, we don't know how much of his schemes and that sort of thing are going to kind of carry over. And and specifically for guys like uh, like Canada here, Canada, Canada, I don't know, like Matt, um, Look, he's done a lot of different things on his different teams based on his personnel, right? He was the offensive coordinator in Wisconsin, ran 22 personnel on like 80% of his snaps, just ran a power game with Monty Ball, right? Um, ran 11 personnel in a spread offense with Jacoby Brissett in NC State. Kind of has it all in, in his bag of tricks, has had a lot of experiences he can bring here. But the, the three things that kind of pop up for me, that are consistent is that he just fucking loves the play action pass. Um, it, he, he loves to run a power run game where he's got l- multiple lead blockers. He's pulling linemen. He's doing whatever he can to get uh, lead blocks out ahead of, uh, of inside runs. And um, he, he likes some really strange wild formations and pre-stap motions, things like the, at LSU, there was a play where the entire offensive line got up and switched fucking sides before the snap. A lot of weird and crazy shit, which uh, last season, Big Ben shut the fuck down, right? Big Ben was like, we're not doing that dumbass shit. We're, we're not going to run any fucking play action either because Ben Roethlisberger ran the 33rd most play action passes last year of any quarterback in the league. Like, uh, He's back on this team. Matt Cannon, whatever his name is, is the new coordinator on this team. I see these two guys just button heads all day because Ben likes an offense one way and Matt's offense is the exact opposite. I don't know what's going to happen on this team. What is your where, where's your head at on this this team and these two specifically? Yeah, you get you hit a lot on the head. And I'll tell you this. I was uh, I was looking in the 1990s at Northern Illinois. So I was in this deep, like just trying to figure out who this yeah, guy was. Yeah. Trying to just understand if there's any ties to the NFL. I did find one. This is cool. The actual uh, Pat, the run game coordinator, Dan Rosner, uh, Roshar for the Saints, was actually coaching with him in the 90s and the early 2000s. So there was some connection, but I was like, all right, that's a little. But the biggest thing I took was actually very interesting is that he actually coached four of the Steelers running backs in college. So Jalen Samuel at NC State, he actually coached um, – James Connor at Pittsburgh. He also coached Anthony McFarland, which I think is the most interesting one at Maryland. And he also had ties to Derek Watt at Wisconsin. So I thought 
he has so something in that running back room he does and like you just brought up perfectly is he's his run game concepts are pretty solid and it shows because a lot of his running backs make it to the nfl and i thought that was really cool that anthony mcfarland at maryland was under him for at least a year so that's something that could really correlate to his utilization you know maybe that's why they kind of brought him in because that running back room knows him so well i know yeah. james connor's out the door i know juju smith schuster's out the door and those receivers are pretty good. But another problem you just hit on the head is that for play action to truly work, you have to be under center. And Big Ben did not want to be under center a lot. He wanted to be in shotgun a lot. Yeah. And that's could be a combination of he's getting older. He doesn't want to deal with that stuff anymore. <laughs> totally get it. Um, His knees but, don't allow him to bend down anymore. He doesn't want to get down there anymore. Come on, you know. So that's just that could be a problem because especially he does like to do a lot of motion, exotic looks and stuff. And you're right about that. So I think personally, I think it is exciting. I think Big Ben, another year removed from that arm surgery, I think he will. He's going to have to open up a little bit to this idea because they got really, uh, they just became one dimensional. I think Matt Canada can infuse some life into that run game, which is what they really need. And I think James Conner leaving will open things up for guys like Anthony McFarland, maybe even Benny Snell. But I think they also they also have a lot of free agents on the offensive line. So they they're big time left tackle, a couple guys on the interior. Mar, uh, Pouncey just retired, so I think they have to take a look at them uh, the offensive line. But overall, I think Matt Cannon is going to really really help make his imprint on the run game. That's what I gathered. Yeah, it sh- it should be pretty good. I did have some concerns, right? Like I didn't, I, I guess I didn't put it together that he coached. Almost every running back. Trey <laughs> Edmonds is the lone man out here who had nine snaps last year. So it's not like um, he's really missing out. But uh, when I when I looked at the kind of run game that I think he's going to try to run here for the, the Steelers, it didn't seem to fit really well with what Anthony McFarland has done in the past or Benny Snell is good at either, right? Like these power run games where you have extra guys, extra tight ends, you're running um, – Either, either 12, 22, whatever it is, personnel, so that you get extra blockers in there. That means you're going to have stacked fronts. Stacked fronts a lot when you're running the ball. Um, Anthony McFarland, 1.8 yards per carry against the stack box. Benny Snell's career or is 1.7 yards per carry against the stack box. Like These guys just don't do that really well. Um, like He may be willing to change it up if he's coached these two guys before, knows how to use their strengths. Uh, but I was just a little bit concerned. Actually, James Conner is, of all the guys that were on this team last year, a perfect fit for what I think Canada wants to do. Unfortunately, he's not going to be there. Um, so interesting to watch because a running back is going to succeed on this offense next year in that scheme. It's just going to be a matter of who's going to win that job in camp. How much is Canada willing to change his scheme uh, to fit these two guys? Anthony McFarland was one of my favorite backs coming out of college last year I would love to see that happen um I just don't know that he he's like a five nine he's like 195 pounds or something so I don't know if he's got that game in him but uh on the wide receiver core I just I'll just say real quick I think um James Washington and Deontay Johnson seem like they're much better suited for the different kind of creativity than a guy like Chase Claypool uh Claypool's going to probably be drafted much higher than Washington, certainly. Um, I think he'll yeah. be drafted pretty close to Deontay Johnson just because of the insane playmaking ability he has. But uh, on an offense like this, I like to go and snag the guys like James Washington quick underneath, can do a lot more things. I wa- watch him run a bunch of jet sweeps this year, but uh, might be some value there. But we'll see. Going to have to who watch you, this offense in camp. Who do you think kicks into the slot out of those three guys? Uh 
you know what? They they're probably going to move Washington. I think he's a little bit little bit quicker, and they they want to leave Deontay Johnson on the outside. Is my estimation. Yeah. Both of those guys can play in the slot. I think just fine. Um, I think they'll move Washington in there just because they want to use Johnson on some of those bigger corners or or those uh, better corners anyway, and sort of. Yeah. Sort of fuck with that, but we'll see. Got to watch again. It's a guy that's it's a coordinator that's done a lot of different things in his career, so it's going to be important to watch camp, watch the beat reports out of camp to see one which running back is going to succeed, and two how much the offense really is going to change. All right, so let's move off the NFC North there. Um, not a ton of change, but some interesting stuff there for sure. Let's move on then to uh, what are we doing the East here? Yep. All right. Oh, I mean, we can do the West if you want to switch it up. I'm unprepared for the West, but now let's let's let, let's go and if AFC East, huh? Sounds like a plan. How about them Buffalo Bills? Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, Dabble again, another guy. I don't know how to say his last name. Dable, yeah. Cool. Tell me all about <laughs> these guys. Tell me about this team, the scheme, and why I should want every piece of this offense I can get continuity man i mean like that's the name of the game uh yeah. dayball listen you got to be excited as a josh allen uh dynasty owner or josh just in general to draft him because dayball was a very popular head coaching candidate and he ended up staying you're probably on borrowed time especially if they take another step i mean listen you got stefan Diggs in his second season now the biggest outlier we've ever seen but outside of brandon marshall like you brought up uh that really emerged in his first season imagine what he can do in another year uh, in this offense with Josh Allen. I think the biggest question mark really comes from that run game because they really did a lot of – it was like the younger version of Big Ben where they – but it actually worked. Like the Bills just completely abandoned the run and it worked because Josh Allen's throwing to like digs and he's just running around all over the field. So I do think that that run game is the one thing that I find interesting because Dayball – remember Peyton Hillis? Like yeah. adding oh, yeah. Peyton Hillis? That was Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball is his OC. Like, that's how crazy it is, right? And then, like, Jamal Charles had a completely monster rushing campaign under Brian Dayball in Kansas City. And then he comes to Buffalo, and they don't really have the run game, and he just completely changes it over, and I love that. Because it's like, listen, you got it. that's what you want to see from a coaching staff. You play to your strengths, and they, they even abandoned the run one game completely. Uh, so I think the other thing about this, though, is can Zach Moss really take another step you know, he's got to stay on the field. That's important. But Singletary is an, a better suited 1B or maybe a number two back on that offense because Zach Moss as a pure runner would be fantastic, especially he's going to have plenty of scoring opportunities. Now, there is some rumblings that they do want to go out and get a tight end. Um, obviously, I don't think Dawson Knox necessarily is it, but at the same time, like if you infuse a, a pass catching tight end, let's say create, let's get crazy and say John Smith. Um, it would be interesting to see how they kind of – does that affect a guy like Cole Beasley – uh, John Brown, like, or is it going to just be like, are they just going to take another step? I just don't know. But overall, you got to buy continuity. Trust me, don't overthink it. Buy these guys, especially even John Brown and Cole Beasley later in drafts. Cole Beasley PPR could be big values this year. Great value. You keep saying take another step, but look, this offense was number two in points, number two in yards. I don't know how much bigger a step they can take. Uh, probably maybe it'll regress back to five, but continuity is right. McDermott, Dayball, they've been here together since 2018 with Josh Allen since 2018. They've gotten better and better and better um, every year uh, that 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 group has been there. Uh, you know, you say you mentioned you mentioned guys like John Brown and Cole Beasley all coming back. But uh, but you didn't mention Gabriel Davis like Gabriel Davis showed his ass a little bit. Look, 
over the last quarter of the season, Gabriel Davis played more snaps than any other rookie wide receiver in the league, including a Justin Jefferson, 92% of the snaps. Obviously, Brown wasn't, you know, top tip top shape. He played some, but he certainly wasn't 100%. Um, but Gabriel Davis also had the third best passer rating when targeted of all the rookies in this this class, just behind Claypool and Jefferson. Second most red zone targets of all those rookie wide receivers. Gabriel Davis was a forgotten rookie wide receiver going into the season. Um, I think he'll end up sort of slipping in ADP and, and be a little bit forgotten going into next season as well. John Brown's getting old, man. Cole Beasley's fucking old as shit, too. I think Gabriel Davis is going to be a really nice piece in Dynasty. A great go get him right now because, again, this is an offense that you want to have pieces of. Like, go fucking get the pieces of the good offenses that kept all, all of their players and coaches intact. You're not wrong. Hey, before we move on, we almost forgot to do this. We got some we got some bills to pay. Let me hit this button. So while we're on the bills, um, I should say that with my other podcast, Your Football Fantasy, we play a game every year. And the winner of that game gets a jersey of one of the five guys they selected on their team. In 2019, I won. I beat all the whatever it was, 55 people that played. Um, and I got a signed jersey to go on my wall. It was a Devin Singletary jersey. Because Devin, I was all a fucking about some Devin Singletary. Of course, last year I was all about Zach Moss too. So maybe I need to put a Moss jersey right next to him. But uh, best way to do that, obviously, that would be the Jersey Jungle. Check it out on the screen, guys. If you hit these guys up on Instagram, DM them at the Jersey Jungle. Um, they will hook you up. They have beautiful jerseys. These are these are game quality jerseys that you can get at 60 bucks regular price, which is half of what they cost if you go to NFL.com. If you use the TCK uh, coupon code, just tell them that we sent you here from TCK. They're going to give you 10% off if you want one or two jerseys or 15% off if they get you, uh, if you if you want to get that three jersey pack. Um, I think a Zach Moss probably needs to hang next to my Devin Singletary because I think he's going to take over the bulk of that work from Singletary this year, which is a shame because what Devin Singletary did in college at the goal line and in in the holes in the line of scrimmage was just fucking beautiful to watch. But uh, I digress. Jersey Jungle, these people are fucking amazing. Go get yourself something beautiful. Um, Bobby, if you're buying a jersey today, what would it be? Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence, not a not a New York Giants Kenny Galladay. Look, they do custom jerseys. <laughs> that happens. You can buy the jersey and make yeah. it happen, okay? That's true. Listen, I actually – my most embarrassing jersey while we're on jerseys, I have a Jesse Palmer jersey when he's the backup because I hated Kerry Collins so much and then became The Bachelor. So it's even worse now. <laughs> so, <laughs> that know, might be worth something someday. You hold on it to those, okay? Yes. That's, that's, that's beautiful. All right, let's dive back in here. Um, we've got a few more coaching changes in the AFC East. Let's talk – Miami Dolphins, okay, Brian Flores in his second year as the head coach loses his offensive coordinator and uh, hires two. So this is what we sort of mentioned earlier. Like we wish somebody would come in and help help Greg Roman with his passing offense. Well, we got Eric Studesville, who used to be the running, back, running backs coach on this team, and George Godsey, who used to be the tight end coach on this team, but spent a lot of time as 
quarterback coaches around the league. Did a little bit of offensive coordinating in Houston a few years back. And uh, I will, I'll, I'll list for you the quarterbacks he had when he was coordinating in Houston. It's a great list. Yeah, um, but, uh, but, but this is, it's an interesting situation because they are co-offensive coordinators, which makes our job just a little bit harder because, um, you know, neither of them have a long history of play calling or offense designing, <clears throat> but that's what we're here to do. We're here to tell people what's going to happen. So what the fuck's going to happen? <laughs> All right. So just the background, I like to go to the coaching background first. And so George Gotzi, he actually coached with uh, Brian Flores in New England. Those guys go back to Bill Belichick. He was actually the tight ends coach when they had Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski pretty much featured That's in 2011 easy. and 2012. Yeah. Right. Of course. Uh, so, and then in, in the thing about I like about George Gotzi is that when he was the OC or, for, in 2015, and then he kind of lost his coordinating duties on and off in 2016. Those offenses were like top five and six in rushing attempts. So he was very focused on the run, which kind of fits hand in hand with going being a coordinator with a guy who's a career running backs coach. I mean, Eric Studsville, I mean, Sean Payton all the way back to his days with the Giants. You know, Josh McDaniels, he had time with Gary Kubiak. You know, even guys like Mike Malarkey. He's coached under plenty of coaches, plenty of schemes, pretty much a steady running backs coach. Now, in the senior bowl, the Dolphins were involved. I was trying to find anything to give me some insight. Um, and they both called plays at the senior bowl, which did not help. I was like, all right, great. But from a quarterback wow, you're reaching here, buddy. You're reaching. I'm, I'm, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I hate not knowing things. It drives me crazy. Um, like, I just want to have an idea, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, that that didn't help. But I think George Godsey would probably be the direction I lean in slightly as the guy who calls plays because of his time with the Texans. Um, and like you just said, the, the quarterbacks from that Texans year, that 2015 year, he was the full-time OC, like Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, Brandon Whedon. I mean, yeah, he's, he's got Osweiler in 2016. Come on. I know, that. right? Even better, even better. <laughs> you know that, and that's the thing about these coordinators, right? A lot of guys, you live and die by your quarterback. So it would be awesome to see what these coordinators can do when they have decent quarterback play. And it's no one's going to succeed. Like we're even seeing guys like Kyle Shanahan, which we'll talk about in a few because of the Jets correlation. But he like when he doesn't have great quarterbacks, his teams end up being five and 11. You know what I mean? So there's not a lot you can do. So I'm looking forward to this because he, you know, eighth in play. At, so that 2015 season that he was the full time OC, he was eighth in play action, which is always something we like to see. He was above average in deep passing rate, even with the murderer's row of quarterbacks in, in Houston that year. So he is creative enough. They do take shots. I do think that's one thing that they didn't like about Chan Gailey was the Dolphins were not taking shots downfield, and they were actually below average when it came to play action last year. So I think that's something they want to implement more this year, something that I think Tua can actually be decent with. He's a pretty mobile quarterback too. So from a quarterback perspective, I think those guys, tandem and could definitely do something good for Tua. Now, at the running game, I think this is where it lives and dies. I think when you have a running backs coach like Eric Sudville, Sudsville for that many years – you know, there's a lot of – I looked at – I took a deep dive into that 2015 season because that's really the year he called plays. They gave Arian Foster and Alfred Blue 18 touches a game when they started and finished games. So that's a pretty healthy dose of touches for those guys. And even last year, Miles Gaskins had 18 touches per game in the 10 games. He was the featured back before injuries hit him too. So the running back position is going to be huge. I think we're already hearing noise about Aaron Jones potentially going down here. I think that he could have an opportunity to be a feature back. And I also like Gaskins. I think he was awesome last year. So if they don't get anybody, I think this running back position is going to be solidified. We show it with George Godsey. 
or whatever his name is, back in Tex for the Texans, but we also saw it last year with the Miami Dolphins. And then for the receiving core, like my thing is with the receivers, like we saw in that 2015 season, DeAndre Hopkins had like 190 targets. They gave, they featured because they basically say, hey, we're going to just give it to that one guy. And I think if Devontae Parker continues to be that one guy, listen, two of we can say what we want. We're not sure we know about Tua yet. But they did feature a true X receiver. They featured DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. And Parker has shown to win one-on-one. -on -one. He's a pretty good receiver. He really flourished under Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I do think that, you know, when he was healthy last year, he was still getting about eight targets per game. So I think he could definitely be a solid buy in the mid-rounds, especially if Tua takes the next step, especially in this type of offense. And then my last point, just the tight ends, is just, you know, there isn't a lot of uh, information about the tight ends, but he, uh, George Godsey was a tight ends coach uh, with the Dolphins, of course, but also with the Patriots. So he does have tight end background. So that does give you some like optimism. And plus what he did, he was actually the position coach for Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski in that one season. They really had a dominant year. I think that's important to note because he knows the importance of having a, a, a flexible offense featuring tight ends. So Mike Tzicki could be could take another step in this system. Yeah, and Gesicki last year with Tua, you know, before Gesicki got hurt, um, was getting a lot of work. Obviously, Tua had some trust in him, so I like that. But, uh, you know, I've got a bunch of research here. You pretty much said it all. You know, Chan Gailey was not a very creative coach on offense, but he, going way back, just like Greg Roman, really good uh, at at putting together a run scheme, and that's why that team could run the ball. Even when guys like um, Salvin Ahmed, rookie from Washington, steps in last yeah. season. He was successful. Um, I think I think the reason that they promoted Studsville up here uh, along with Godsey is to make sure that they kind of keep a lot of that run scheme in place. Um, but it but it has to be all about the balance with Godsey, right? You know, in, when Godsey came into Houston, the year prior they were number 30 in pass attempts. They popped all the way up to number nine in pass attempts this, that year. Obviously, he's interested in going on the field. And, again, that's with Brian Hoyer. Ryan Mallett, right? It's not like he had great quarterbacks, but he saw the importance of balance on offense, fifth in rushing attempts, ninth in passing attempts. He sees the balance in offense um, as important. And, uh, you know, another reason for a guy like Gatsu, you spend a lot of time coaching quarterbacks. Maybe he's there to help kind of promote Tua's growth. I love when I love when positional quarterback or positional coaches rather um, get hired to teams where those positions are weak. We'll talk about that with the next team that we're going to get into as well. But um, I love that because you it has to help you understand that that team is prioritizing the growth of their young players. Um, I think they're going to go all in on two. I know there's a lot of rumors about other quarterbacks going. Maybe Tua leaves. I think they're going to go all in on Tua lean on the run game that worked last year and uh, and and allow Godsey to sort of expand the pass game for sure. All right, let's talk New York Jets, which is our, our first and only total overhaul of the day. Um, everybody's fucking out in New York, thank God. Adam Gase is one of the worst coaches of all time. Robert Sala coming in to take the head coaching job. Mike LaFleur, yes, that is the younger brother of Matt LaFleur. You know, Mike LaFleur is 30 fucking three years old. Makes me feel so old. Um, Jeff Albrick coming in to take the defense. So a whole bunch of new guys here. Um, two of them, at least uh, head coach and offensive coordinator, come from the same system, worked together. I know you were probably about to tell us that. Um, I won't say much. I'm going to let you go. Obviously, you've done your research today. I love what you're what you're giving up. It's it, it's fucking gold. So tell me about this Jets team. Tell me about this Jets offense. 
and what's going to happen on what was just the hardest team to watch play football last year? Uh, free them all. I mean, Adam Gates, by the way, God, he is just the worst, man. And uh, the worst part is, he, he, like, people are talking about getting him, like, offensive coordinator jobs. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, outside of Peyton Manning, he's done nothing. But, you know what, forget it. Everyone, everyone's all better. He was great in Chicago for a year. One was year he? in Chicago. Yeah. He was fabulous. Was he smoking Jay Cutler that year, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> Um, so the one thing I will say is like, there is going to be a lot of moving parts. So I'm just going to focus just on coaching because Sam Darnold might not even be the quarterback. I totally get all that, but Adam Gase refused to do things that were creative. He refused to feature his best players. It drove people crazy. And that's going to be the complete opposite kind of thought process here. And what I mean by that is the one thing I noticed from the Shanahan's is that Kyle has been a little different. And then his dad's years and when he was just an OC versus a head coach, a lot of that might have to do with the carousel quarterback. But the one thing I will say is early on in, in Kyle Shanahan's career, he kind of had a set template. He featured a true X receiver. Julio Jones had a 200 target season. Andre Johnson had back-to-back 170-yard target seasons under Kyle Shanahan. And Pierre Garçon, uh, you know, crazy enough, had an 180 target season. So he did feature a true number one for early on in his career. And then over the last couple of years, it's been kind of a revolving door. You know, even guys like Marquise Goodwin got like 100 targets. But he hasn't been able to feature one guy because Debo has been on and off the field. Brandon Ayuk's a rookie. He's just on and off the field. But I do believe that there is a fixture of a true X receiver. Now, Denzel Mims makes the most sense to be that guy as the receiving core. Bashar Perriman might be out the door. And in other things, it's just that. They don't really have another true guy. The Jets are one of the prime teams with a lot of money. They can bring in a guy, maybe like Kenny Galladay. I don't know. But um, I hope not. Just go to the Giants. Just make me happy as a fan. But anyway, but when I'm looking at the thing with the the best part about Kyle Shanahan's scheme, when you're talking about quarterbacks and play, they're going to use a lot of play action, which is awesome. But they're just so – their run game is so epically beautiful. It's insane. And I think the one thing that it feeds off that passing game is the, all the movement, the ends around, the Jets sweeps. We've seen all that happening with Debo Samuel. They, me and Sky were talking about his yards. out was like two yards. It, for a wide receiver, it was two yards. It's completely mind-blowing. So he's definitely willing to adapt his scheme. He's also adapted to positions. So we saw guys like George Kittle become the fixture. Like I just touched on Andre Johnson and Julio Jones. Well, George Kittle is his best player. He features George Kittle. That does offer a lot of upside for a guy like Chris Herndon. If Chris Herndon can turn it on, you know, learn the system and actually show that because he has the talent. And I do believe that this is the type of system that you want to buy a tight end in because we've seen guys like Owen Daniels, for example, Fred Davis, Chris Cooley. You know, we're talking some old school tight ends that had dominant over 100 target seasons in this system. So I think the tight end is a fixture. And that also does lean to fade running backs in the passing game. We do see a lot of guys like Alfred Morris, for example, a long time ago was an absolute monster in this system. But he's given – Unfortunately, since Carlos Hyde, which is you know crazy to think Carlos Hyde's our, our linchpin for this discussion, but Carlos Hyde was the last healthy 16-game starter he's had at running back since that was 2017. Because every year before 2017, he's had a featured back. You know, Devonta Freeman was the number one RB in fantasy in 2015 under Kyle Shanahan. So, you know, even with uh Carlos Hyde, he had 299 touches that season. So he's giving guys 300 carry touches seasons every single year. And then all of a sudden it hits a wall because he tried to feature Matt Breida in 2018. Matt Breida was on his way to a solid season. He gets hurt. 
And then 2019, it was a mosh posh of guys. It was Brita. It was, you know, Tevin Coleman and Mostert. And I think we get lost in sometimes in the end result, but I think he does want to feature a true number one running back. Because anytime he has a guy with a hot hand and he knows it, he rides him. You know, we see it with Jeff Wilson. We saw it last year in that scheme. I think that's what kind of Michael Floor, his brother does the same thing. You know, they do have a lot of running backs rotating in and out. But when they have a guy who's hot, they ride him. And I think the Jets situation is, a, is a, just a clean slate. I think if we go into this offseason, we got to watch this team because whoever they bring in on free agency and in the draft, there could be a lot of value on this team in a better offensive scheme. The tight ends, the running backs, the receivers, anybody can really emerge from this system, which I totally love. And I think that's the best part about this offense. I'll tell you what, you say whoever they bring in after talking about these running backs. What about LaMichael P. Ryan? LaMichael P. Right. Ryan is my boy. Another guy that I loved in college, I thought he was really underrated. Um, didn't uh, Unfortunately, didn't really get a chance to get going last year, partially because when he was I – mean, the offensive line was non-existent, um, and he, has, he dealt with some injuries um, there late in the season as well. But, you know, it's easy to sit here and say, hey – you know, Mike LaFleur is coming from Kyle Shanahan's team. This run game is going to go fucking nuts. But for the last three seasons or four seasons, he's been the pass game coordinator on this team. So, you know, should we expect, you know, run, 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 sort of like we saw in San Francisco? Obviously, he learned that that's efficient and effective. But um, this is a pass game coordinator who's been a wide receivers coach before that. I think I think we're gonna we're gonna probably end up seeing a lot more passing than some people expect. And while San Francisco's pass game has not been good, even with Mike Lafour there trying to kind of pull some strings to keep the pass game alive, it has been really efficient. Okay, like they went from thirty second to sixth most um, uh, touchdown efficient passing offense. Uh, in 2020, they were top three in yards per attempt, net yards per attempt in that 2019 season under a guy like Mike LaFleur. So I think he's sort of licking his chops to get an opportunity to explore a little more of a pass game. Obviously, they need the personnel um, and and maybe that's Denzel Mims. Maybe it's Sam Darnold throwing it to him. Sort of big question marks there. Uh, this is another guy who, you know, wide receivers coach. I like the fact that he's going to come in here. And outside of Jameson Crowder's a shitty wide receiver room last year. They didn't just get the opportunities and none of them played well. Maybe he's going to develop that wide receiver room a little bit. So, you know, we have questions. We have questions. How much more passing are we going to see here than we did see in San Francisco? Is it a guy like Mims? Do they bring somebody in? Do they draft another guy at wide receiver to help out that wide receiver room? Is it P. Ryan or somebody else that's going to get the opportunity um, on the ground? Because somebody will get the opportunity on the ground. But uh, like you said, a lot of questions. It's going to be a fun team to watch and see what happens. Unfortunately, I do think because everything's so new, some of these players are probably going to go higher than maybe they should go. Um, there is potential there, but all of them are going to start with the floor that's absolute zero and none of them are going to be drafted there. So I'm afraid I'm not going to own any jets to this season, but uh, I certainly wouldn't be against it real quick on the defensive side. Jeff Albrecht comes in, you know, linebacker coach in Atlanta. I don't, when I think defenses and when I think linebacker crews, Atlanta certainly doesn't pop to mind <laughs> as a particularly well-coached group. I don't know how a guy like this gets the job. Maybe he interviews really well. Um, maybe what Salah wants to do is start developing this defense 
um, at the linebacker crew. C.J. Mosley, probably the best player on that defense, so they can build around him. they got a lot of young linebackers that they can build around him, so maybe that's sort of the plan there. But I don't know that I expect the defense to take much of a step, even with Salah coming in as the head coach here in year one. Isn't Salah and Quinn both from Seattle, right? Yes. So I think that might have been – so he probably coached with Quinn – Knows the kind of knows him a little like, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Call Quinn called yeah, exactly. Him, hey, this is a good dude. So yeah. Yeah. it's possible. Yeah. And you know, you know, it's always sort of been this thing. When whenever there's a first time head coach, they don't have the same Rolodex as some of these guys that have bounced from team to team. So when they have to put a staff together, it's not always easy to get the best, especially to come to play coaching for the fucking Jets. Not yeah. always easy to get interviews with the best guys, the big names. So um, you know, oftentimes we see a, a, a one or two year flame out coordinator that they had to throw a dart on just because that's who they could get. We'll see. You know, we'll give Albrecht the benefit of the doubt here. See if he can do something, build something again. Mosley's got to be the best player on that defense. Right. So build from somewhere. He's, he's coming back. To, I mean, he, t- he opted out last year. So, yeah, that's big. And I think so. Do you believe that they're going to take a quarterback? What do you think? Gosh, see, I don't know. I I have I wouldn't if I'm them, right? I want to give Sam Darnold a legit chance, put a line in front of him because he didn't have one last year, and get he hasn't had a legit chance. Um, they they might go do it because it's the sexy thing to do when you're trying to overhaul a team, and it's unfortunate yeah. for guys like Darnold who, you know, maybe some of his fault his uh, failings were his fault, but certainly not all of them. But, yeah, I agree. Uh, I hope not, but maybe. It just I think it's just like a reset, right? You reset the whole like you just touched on the whole coaching staff changed. And it's just like we can get a rookie on a, a five-year contract, rookie contract, let's do it. And Darnold's what is going to his fourth year. It's like they only have another year or two of him anyway. Yeah. So it's like I, I agree though. I'm a big Darnold guy. I think you can't Adam Gase, no line, no receivers. Like, what do you expect the guy to yeah. do? It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Tough. Tough. Um, All right. Last team here. It's the New England Patriots. No coaching changes. Bill Belichick, offense or defensive coordinator slash head coach, I believe. Again, Josh McDaniels, the OC. The only thing I have to say about this team is that Josh McDaniels should have fucking got out when he had the chance. He should have taken that goddamn Colts job because all of a sudden he looks like a goddamn idiot. He looks like a moron. He looks like a guy that can't run an offense if Tom Brady's not throwing the ball. And he's going to have those question marks over his head everywhere he goes to interview after this um, instead of being the guy everyone wants because it was a great offense with a bunch of random pieces. Now he's the guy that that tried and failed miserably to get Cam Newton to look like an NFL quarterback again. But uh, do you have any – like we don't know who's going to be at quarterback. I think that's obviously a big piece of it. But do you have anything to tell the people about the Patriots? I think I think it's kind of a funny thing where you get Tom Brady the last couple of years and like oh I turned forty he's declining and you start realizing they did not they don't invest in their skill position players at all I mean yeah. talk about a team they traded a second round pick for Muhammad Sanu like that was like their their hail mary thing it's like what are you doing like I I'm sorry but like if you're gonna make a splash. You can't go out and get a guy that's going to be a true X or a true wide receiver one on that team. I mean, Edelman's heading into his mid-30s, but they also tried to integrate Cam Newton when they were already halfway through the offseason in a COVID offseason. So it didn't stand a chance. I mean, plus he's a completely different style of player from Tom Brady. But at the same time, 
you got to believe in Belichick. I do believe in Josh McDaniels. I'm willing to give him one more shot at it. I just okay. don't know if Cam's okay. going to be the quarterback. Um, because we saw what they did with guys like Matt Castle, who were kind of there in their system for a while, comes in for Brady, they win 11 games, right? So it's like they do have the op- – they've done it with weaker quarterbacks. Can Jimmy G be an option for them? Could there be some type of trade they swing to get a quarterback? I think they – like Ryan Fitzpatrick's been linked to them a little bit too, but it just seems like they'll never reset, but they probably should. They're losing some guys in the line this year. They just traded for Trent Brown. Uh, but overall, like – they need to invest in their receivers. They have two young rookie tight ends from last year coming into their second years, Devin Asiasi and, and Dalton Keene. So that could be someone to look at because a lot of tight ends make a big jump in their second season. And this offense has proven time and time again that they will feature tight ends if it's the best players on the field. They did with Gronk, Aaron Hernandez, et cetera. So that could be a thing, but there's got to be someone to throw the ball. So I think the quarterback situation needs to be resolved before we even I'll- think about it. I would love to see Jimmy G go back there. I think that's an ideal situation because what you said a a few minutes ago was like the guys that have been in the system, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels on either side of the ball, their systems are notoriously difficult to pick up and learn. And Cam Newton is certainly not like a a genius out there. Okay. He's, he's not (laughs) known for his brains on the field. So Maybe that might work. They've got to do something. They're struggling. Tom Brady has the opportunity this coming season, early in the season, to beat the Patriots and make that all 32 teams. So they're going to try. They're going to pull out all the stops to stop him from doing that, I think. But uh, it it, it could be another tough year to watch those Patriots um, struggle on offense. All comes down to who's taking snaps, I suppose. What do you You think of that? Oh, it'd be fun. I would. Love, I think Fitzpatrick's just awesome. I would um, love him to go anywhere. I'd love to see him in Chicago. I'd love to see him wherever. <laughs> Chicago would be great. You know, just playing for a friend. Um, so what do you think of, like, Nikhil Harry? I know he's been hurt and stuff, but what's your thought? I know you're kind of a dynasty guy, too. So, like, what are your yeah. thoughts on him? What would you give up for a guy like him? What's your What's your thoughts? You know what? I thought Nikhil Harry was going a little too high last year. I wasn't as high on him as a lot of people going into the draft, um, personally. Uh, I think I think he does a couple couple of things relatively well. He's a pretty good deep ball guy. He's a really nice end zone target kind of guy, which he struggled with last year. Even when he was playing well, he did not pull in a lot of a lot of really catchable end zone targets on those fades or or on those post corner routes. So, um, you know, I'm not very high on him, and I'm not buying him anywhere. I wouldn't buy him yeah. for like if I could get the guy for a third round rookie pick, which you probably can't. I'd take him because. You never know, but this is not this is not a team. This is not a situation. It's not a quarterback situation um, that that you love for a receiver anyway. And what I saw from him last year kind of matched what I expected to see from him coming out of college. So for me, I'm pretty much off of him, and I'm I, I'm looking elsewhere if I can. Give me a guy like Gabriel Davis, who's probably cheaper um, all day. All day. Yeah. Better offense. You, come on. Everything. You think they, I know Nick Saban and him are boys. You think they any shot at Matt Jones? Ah. Uh, <laughs> Do you even like Matt Jones? Is he like, a, I know yeah, nothing about college. I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. But look, look, what we're getting into at this point is like wild speculation, right? Like it, yeah. anything, can fu- anything can fucking happen. And, and, all right. All right. And uh, that's, that's, that's all for the next few weeks. Let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Okay. Because, right, you know, we're going to finish off this week coaching changes, and then we're doing free agency, and then we're going to start jumping into rookies and draft prep stuff. 
We've got a long off season. Okay. You're right. All right. Hold the fuck on, Bobby. Hold on. <laughs> Just trying to make small talk. What can I say? Slow down. We're an hour to the show. No time for small talk. Um, look, be- before we sign off here and uh, and uh, I go rebuke Bobby for, for throwing a wrench into our plans on this episode off air. Um, I'm just saying, look, subscribe to us on YouTube, says it underneath. Hit the little bell for the notifications. Like this video, share it. Um, if you're watching on, on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever else this thing goes live, uh, you know, follow, give a subscribe there as well. We're live here at least two days a week, I think. It's either going to be the two of us or the two other guys or some combination thereof. And, uh, you know, on occasion, we might drop a, a last minute, hey, I saw something cool research like I did earlier in the week live. So subscribe where you can. If you're listening to the podcast, cool. I'm sure you're already a subscriber. Reach out to us on our social medias. You see ours under our screens. You can hit up TCK underscore pod on Twitter or Lucas underscore case or two on Twitter as well. Um, chat with us. Talk to us. If you catch us while we're doing a live show, send us some comments. And we won't ignore you. We ignored some comments today because I forgot. It's late where I am, Bobby. But uh, we're we're done. We've only got two divisions left, but it's a whole lot of fucking coaching changes. Do we know what day that's going to be be recorded live and dropping on the podcast? I think I'm dropping it Friday. So we're going to drop it Friday. Live on Thursday, 10 o'clock Eastern. You're going to hear everything you need to know about the AFC South and the AFC West, all the new coaching changes. There's a lot of them. Might be a long show. Um, anything you want to? Anything you want to say to the people before we go off? Keep it on topic. Sorry, I'm, no, I'm good. See you guys. <laughs> okay. All right, peace out, everybody. We appreciate you. We'll see you in a couple of days. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.